Hello, vampires and slayers. Sitting in my squeaky chair again today. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is usually Buffy, the Vampire Slayer. So typically, I review, recap, rewatch every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after their original air dates. I mean, I'm still doing that, which is why we now have a four-month drought from Buffy, as I mentioned um, in the last couple of episodes, because, uh, well, I mean, I needed to let you guys know that there was going to be some absences, but I also have just, like, really been depressed about it. (laughs) So there's a couple of ideas for what I'm going to do. My general plan, as I said in the last episode, is I'm still going to show up and have a new episode for you guys every sat every other Saturday is my general plan. So my first thought was that I would kind of have a topic dedicated to Buffy every two weeks, um, sort of like my favorite character, like especially focusing on season two. So like spend an episode talking about my favorite character of the season, my favorite moments of the season, my favorite episode of the season all of the music from season two, um, just talk about the hero's journey in general, the journey that Buffy goes on. Cause I think that would be an interesting conversation to have like at the end of every season, talk about her hero's journey, her slayer journey throughout the season, like what she went through. And normally we'll be talking about emotional landscapes, um, in that context, because the show is ultimately first and foremost, about the emotional experiences and identities that the characters, identity building that the characters go through. Um, so yeah, and I also want to talk about the Buffy movie, but my mom had a really great idea. She was like, hey, why don't we get together and we do like mother-daughter talking about our favorite movies kind of stuff. So um, I really like that idea. We haven't had a chance to record the first one yet, but I, and I didn't want to leave you guys hanging. Um, so what I thought I would do with this particular episode of the podcast is I would just sit down and kind of, um, I'm going through the episode guide that is called Bite Me by Nikki Stafford and just like read the little, um, she always has like a very short, like one or two sentence summary of each episode at the beginning of her, um, her like more in-depth reviews of each episode in the book. Um, and I thought maybe that would help us sort of talk about some of those topics that I just, um, mentioned, but instead of dedicating an episode to each topic, just sort of going through it, um, off the top of my head, right now. And I'd love to hear some of your answers to these particular questions. In season two, who was your favorite character? What were your favorite moments from the season? What is your favorite episode of the whole season? Um, What music did you like from season two? Um, So hopefully me talking about all of those things for me right now will help you guys figure out what your answers to those questions are. And I would love to hear them. So I'll mention it now and then I'll mention it again at the end of the episode. Of course, this information is always in the podcast, um, the show notes or whatever, the podcast description notes thing, whatever you call that. So that's always there too. But um, let me know your thoughts. You can find me um, on Instagram. I'm, I mean, I don't have a special podcast Instagram 
Maybe I should. Do you guys think I should? I don't know if I can have the name What's This Bitch talking about on Instagram. I don't know if they'll let me. Um, but I do have one for my radio show, so you can message me there about the podcast. That's totally fine. So it's under Mixtress Radio, M-I-X-T-R-E-S-S, radio spelled the normal way. So you can follow me there and you can um, message me there as well. Or you could just send me an, a good old fashioned email <laughs> or Twitter too. I mean, I guess they do have Twitter, Mixtress Ray. Um, so the email, Mixtress Ray at proton mail so please let me know your thoughts i'd love to hear your input on buffy all things season two related if you have any um suggestions for movies that my mom and i can watch together like we're probably going to focus on movies that we already love like we've sort of i'll um let me know your thoughts on whether or not you think we should do any of these particular movies but are sort of like in the moment like just a quick list of movies i'm not making any promises we're not going to be able to get to all of these um for sure we're not going to be able to get to all of these um at least in this particular but this could be a thing you know if you guys like this maybe every summer we do this like me and my mom review review movies um so that would be fun if if you guys like it but let's see so some of the ones we're gonna do arrival definitely the Buffy movie. Like I still haven't done it. We've gotten through two full seasons of Buffy and I haven't reviewed the Buffy movie. So that's kind of an oversight that needs to be fixed. Long Kiss Goodnight, The Heat, The Matrix, Contact, Addicted to Love, Joe versus the Volcano, Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Birdcage, and Dave. So that's just our sort of like off the top of our heads. And some of those movies we might group together, such as the drag queen movies. I kind of want to do like one big monolithic episode that's about Contact and Arrival because I think they're kind of sister movies. Um, so we'll see what happens. So um, since I'm putting out an episode today on June 2nd, that means that me and my mom will be back with a, with a movie review episode on the 16th. So um, I don't know when we're going to be able to record it. Maybe not until that actual day. Um, we'll see. Um, but yeah, just look forward to that. And if you have any suggestions for which one you want us to do first or um, anything like that, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Okay, so let's get started just doing sort of, let's do like a retrospective on season two um, and see how we feel about all of it. How about that? Um, so I'm going to just start with reading these little descriptions that are in um, the Bite Me episode guide. So September 15th of 97 is when the first episode of season two aired, which was called When She Was Bad. After being away in LA for the summer, Buffy returns to Sunnydale, a very different person. So if you'll remember, just kind of getting into the hero's journey of Buffy she at the very end of season one she died she drowned the master drowned her and uh xander had to revive her so she was just very briefly dead and that you know just fighting her first really big bad in her life because she had only been a slayer for like a year or two by the end of that season and this was like the first time she had really fought a big 
monster, you know, like up until then she had just fought, you know, your run of the mill vampires. And well, I mean, she'd had other trials up until that point, you know, there were other things that happened in season one, but that was the biggest thing that she had ever had to face. And she didn't deal with it. Well, she was really sullen over the summer. She spent the summer with her dad and then she came back and she had some shit to work out. Like she treated her friends like crap because this is a thing that we'll see Buffy go through a lot. She tends to withdraw and deal with her problems by herself. She tends to put herself apart from everyone that loves her. And this, I feel, is a natural part of the hero's journey. If you are a super being and, you know, the all of the forces of evil are yours alone to fight, you know, and it's gonna isolate you. It, I mean, there's no way around that. And this was her really, for the first time you're seeing how separate she feels from the people in her life that she loves and she cares about. She felt like she had to deal with this on her own and she was pushing everyone away. She was trying to alienate them by being a total bitch towards them and it didn't work. And she kind of worked through that shit in the first little chunk of the season. Um, even just this first episode, they really only dealt with that in this first episode, you know, she was being a bitch and everybody was like, what the fuck Buffy? And then she worked it out by smashing the master's bones into a paste. <laughs> by the end of the episode. Okay. Episode two was some assembly required. A Dr. Frankenstein wannabe tries to reconstruct a woman after restoring his brother to life, but to obtain a head, he must kill a living girl, Cordelia. So this episode was pretty bad. You know, it was just basically they had to find parts of dead girls and sew them together to make a girlfriend for this a dead guy. Um, I don't know. I guess they had to do a Frankenstein monster plot at some point. I mean, I don't remember there being anything that particularly um, furthered the characters along. Oh, we should talk about, um, since we're, we could just talk about, talk about all the topics that I want to discuss kind of as we go through the episodes. Let's do that. So music, there was some really good music in that first episode of season two. There was It Doesn't Matter by Alison Krauss and Union Station. I love that song. Um, and there was uh, Chibomato was playing at the bronze. So you got to hear their song Sugar Water and their song Spoon. Both of those songs, which were pretty amazing. So three really great songs that I actually listen to all the time. Um, and if you are interested in hearing any of these songs... Um, I have two Buffy playlists on my Spotify. One of them is called Radio Sunnydale, which is like all the songs that I really love from Buffy in chronological order. And then there is another one. What did I call the other one? I think the other one I just called Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where I went through on Spotify and painstakingly went through the entire series and every single song that was featured in the series that I could find on Spotify is in that in that playlist. So I'm pretty proud of both of those. So if you want a comprehensive, like all the songs guide, um, let me double check and make sure that's really what I call it. 
I have so many playlists on my Spotify that it's hard to like actually track down. I'm just going to pause this so I can find it so you guys don't have to listen to me look for it. Okay, there it is. <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the title of the mix. So if you go to my Spotify, it's under Mixtress Ray, M-I-X-T-R-E-S-S-R-A-E. Um, and then I think they're all, li- all my playlists are listed alphabetically. So you can um, just follow it if you would like. Um, yeah, there's a lot in there. So it may take a little bit of scrolling till you get to the bees. That's how many playlists I have. <laughs> that's why I call myself the mixtress. So um, that's the music in the first episode. What music did we experience in the second episode, if any? I don't know if we did have any in the second episode. No, just a score. Um, this episode marks the first time we hear the Buffy and Angel theme song. Uh, cool bit of information there. (laughs) Then the third episode of the season, this is where we meet Spike and Drusilla, school hard. Sunnydale's newest vampire residents, Spike and Drusilla, arrive in town just in time for parent-teacher night at Sunnydale High. Alright, let's see if there's any music from this episode. 1,000 Nights performed by the band Nickel. Stupid Thing, also by Nickel. Um, I don't have a memory of these particular songs, so, okay, sure. Um, so that was, of course, a really good episode, because that's when we get introduced to Spike and Drusilla, and if you remember, Drusilla is very weak when we're first introduced to her. She's just like a wilting flower, um, but you can tell right away that this is the first time we're seeing a vampire really care about another vampire like they're in love and you see that from the first shot you see the two of them in they're in love with each other and this is something that we haven't seen yet with vampires we haven't seen them care about each other this much um so that's a new thing okay fourth episode inca mummy girl (laughs) xander falls in love with a foreign exchange student who surprise surprise turns out to be an ancient inca mummy come to life what music was in this episode? Shadows by Four Star Mary and also Fate by Four Star Mary. I think Four Star Mary, yeah, they're the band, the real life band that does the music for Dingo's Ate My Baby. So anytime you see Oz on stage with his band, Dingo's Ate My Baby, it's actually Four Star Mary. And I think the other, I don't know how many of, but I think the other members of the band are actual members of the band and Oz is just thrown in there. So this is um, the second time we see Xander fall in love with somebody that's actually like a demon. And a reminder that this episode, that this podcast is not a spoiler-free podcast. There, okay? You've had time to stop listening if you care about such things. We find out, I don't think we find out until season seven, but we find out eventually that the source of the slayer power i just think this is interesting um the fact that xander is always attracted to demons the source of the slayer power it comes from kind of a rapey place i mean we'll talk about that a lot more when we get there but it's a demon it's basically a girl in ancient times the first slayer was forcibly 
infused with a demon soul or a demon essence or something like they don't explain it really thoroughly but I mean it's essentially she gets like raped by a demon energy and that's the source of the slayer power which means that every slayer is kind of part demon I guess I mean it's a very interesting concept and it's something that I am excited to talk much more about when we get to that point but um i just find that interesting because you know all the people that xander are interested in have a little demon in them and even cordelia like later we will find um she goes on to the angel spinoff series and she also has some mystical shit you know not always sometimes demon related <laughs> like so it's just, there's no exception. Every single person that Xander is ever interested in is a little bit demon. You know, um, his big, his longest time girlfriend throughout the show was Anya, who she becomes human, but she had been a demon for a thousand years before she met Xander. So I don't know. I just, I just find that interesting. Okay. Then this uh, fifth episode of the season, Reptile Boy. When Cordelia and Buffy attend a frat party, they almost become lunch meat for a slimy creature the fraternity worships. So this is the um, big patriarchy episode of the season because this is the one that, like, I would feel is least metaphorical, maybe? Because, I mean, these dudes were, like, literally worshipping a giant penis snake monster in their basement and that they had to sacrifice like three virgin girls or some shit maybe not even I don't know if virgin was actually part of the process maybe it was I don't know but three girls they have to sacrifice once a year to this penis monster um, in order to keep their infinite wealth and popularity or whatever the fuck <laughs> so this is a very triggering episode but it's actually not a bad episode and if we're talking about favorite moments of the season, this is the first time we get, I think it's the first time, the first time we get Willow just really laying down the law. Because there's that scene when they're trying to save Buffy from this frat party. And Willow and Angel and Giles are going in to help save her. And like she had lied to Giles about going to the party. She said she wasn't going to. She's having this weird thing with Angel where he's like, you know, trying not to date her and, you know, being real wishy-washy about if they're going to date or I don't know. And Willow just sort of yells at both of them. Like, you, you're being too hard on her and you, you can't get a cup of coffee. And it's just the first moment we ever really see, um, will just take charge and yell at some bitches so that was one of my favorite moments for sure from season two um music in the episode she by louis says bring me on by act of fate faith act of faith and uh, devil's lair if i can't have you and wolf Anyway, whatever. There's a whole bunch of songs from, like, the score, I think, are what most of those songs are. Nothing I really recognize there. The sixth episode of the season, Halloween, 
chaos threatens to befall Sunnydale on Halloween when people turn in to whatever they've dressed as. Obviously, this is a very iconic episode. Um, it is the Halloween episode that everybody remembers best of Buffy, I would say. Um, and it's a great all-around episode. More of... And this is the first time that Oz ever... I think the first time we ever meet Oz is an Inca mummy girl. Because he just notices willow at the like cultural dance party she's dressed as an inuit and he notices her and he's like who's that girl and he noted we see him again in halloween noticing her like who's that girl because she's walking around in you know like a goth 1997 outfit which is so totally against her character so i believe this is the second time we see oz so that's another good moment where he's like who's that girl um Apparently, like, my favorite moments of the season are all Oz and Willow related. <laughs> this this is peak Willow. This particular time period is very peak Willow. Like, if we're going to talk about my favorite character, my favorite character of the entire season is definitely, without a doubt, Drusilla. However, if I were to pick a favorite, um, you know... If I were to like go through the core four Scoobies, you know, Drows, Buffy, Xander, Willow, like my favorite season of each of them, I would probably pick season two for Willow. I don't know. We'll see. I guess I can't really say that. Like I'm probably never going to pick one of the core four as my favorite character of a season because they're just too, they're too big. Like they are always my favorite, you know, <laughs> except Xander. Xander's not always my favorite. But I think Willow is at pretty much peak Willowness in this season. Like she is starting to become a little bit more daring, a little bit more herself. She's starting to get into the witchy stuff, but she hasn't gone overboard with it yet, which we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Okay, so that's Halloween. Um, no real music to speak. I mean, there are a couple things listed here, but I'm just, I'm going to kind of go over that just in the interest of time. Like I'm only going to point out from now on, I think the songs that really matter to me, because we're only at episode seven and there's 22 episodes in the season and we've got a lot to talk about here, you guys. Okay. Episode seven, lie to me. An old school friend, an old school friend, not old school, old school friend of Buffy's comes to town but he belongs to a cult of vampire worshippers and wants to become a vampire so um this is the one where the theme is all about like life is not black and white you know things things are going to get messy and it's kind of a a wake-up call for us as the viewers about the series like we're going to get into some nuance. Like they've gone through a season and six episodes at this point, And they're just introducing you to the concept that this show is not, is not just going to be all demons, bad, all people good. You know, there are a lot of black and white because this one, the villain was a human. He was human. And he was trying to, you know, offer Buffy up as a bargaining chip to Spike to turn him into a vampire so he wouldn't die of brain cancer. And she ended up not killing him, but she didn't totally save him. You know, it was kind of a mercy 
the way that he died and Buffy kind of had a hand in it. Um, and then there's that great moment. There's a lot of really great moments in this season between Buffy and Giles. Like if I were to pick my favorite relationship of this season, I would possibly pick Buffy and Giles because they have a lot of moments like this, like in this episode at the end, you know, Buffy and Giles are at this kid's grave, whatever his name is, who cares? Doesn't matter. And, you know, she's like, does it, she asks, you know, like, does it ever get easy? And, and the episode is a lot about lies and it's a lot of a metaphor of growing up in general, whenever like, you know, you're very against lies, you know, growing up. Like, I remember having this particular awake awakening in myself. Like, I don't want anybody to lie to me ever, ever, ever. Liars are stupid. I hate adults because they lie all the time. But then you grow up and you realize that you just have to sometimes. You have to to spare people's feelings. You have to to, you know, things are not black and white. And sometimes you do have to lie. And, um they have a good conversation and it's yeah one of the best moments of this the season for sure so that's lie to me do 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 see if there's any music oh um the sisters of mercy song neverland um when they're in the like goth vampire worshiping club um that's a that's a good song okay um episode 8 the Dark Age. Giles reveals his past as Ripper and a demon that he and his friends conjured up in university comes back to kill him. So this is when we first get a glimpse into Giles's past. We don't get enough of this throughout the series. Um, I really think they could have spent more time developing Giles as a character and just really looking back on his past because you know, he's the one of the core four that is, you know, in his 40s. So he's had a past and it's an interesting past. Like he was kind of a bad boy. He was a lot like Spike when he was young, you know. Um, and I just think that's very unexplored territory. But we actually do get to experience some of some of Giles's memories and his backstory and all that in this episode. So that's pretty great. Um, What's My Line? Part 1 is episode 9. Spike orders bounty hunters to come and stop Buffy while he plans to heal Drusilla. But one of the demons turns out to be someone quite unexpected. I don't understand what that's... I think they're referring to Kendra here because we make, meet Kendra at the very end of this episode. So one of the who Buffy assumes is one of the bounty hunters out to kill her turns out to be Kendra. And that's when you find out that even that if a slayer, even if she just dies for 10 minutes, another one is called. So, um, that's gotta be who they're talking about there. I don't know who else they are talking about. Sorry. I'm distracted because in the episode guide, there's this super cute picture of Anthony Stewart head on this page. So I just like keep looking at it. He's like smiling all cute. And it's, it's distracting me. Sorry, I got to turn the page. Um, so this is the one where it's like career week and Buffy's real depressed because 
she's never gonna have a normal career because she's a slayer and this is a where I get into my whole rant about why does Giles get paid to be a watcher but Buffy doesn't get paid to be a slayer they sort of allude to the fact that watchers kind of answer a calling in a similar way to slayers although they never expand upon that at all which is another thing that annoys me about the series but um so I just you know it's it's the patriarchy is what it is he gets paid for being a watcher she doesn't get paid for being a slayer so this episode is all about how she's just never gonna have a real career and blah 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 and career week is annoying to her because she doesn't want to be a part of it whatever um and then a bunch of bounty hunters are spike has hired these bounty hunters to kill buffy essentially so she's um fearing fearing for her life worrying about her future you know it's it's a two-parter so what's my line part two is next kendra turns out to be another vampire slayer and giles finds out that spike and drusilla need angel to help revive drusilla so they've been kind of dropping nuggets for the last few episodes that they are gathering items to heal drusilla so it turns out the last piece that they needed um was angel's blood they were going to have to completely drain him in order to restore drusilla and the reason why they need angel's blood is because they need her sire's blood to restore her to full health so we haven't up until this point we have known drusilla for six or seven episodes and we've just known her to be a wilting weak flower um crazy but wilting and weak we have not seen her at her full power yet but we're about to okay episode 11 ted buffy must look inside herself to try to understand why she hates her mother's new boyfriend so much <laughs> these descriptions of the episodes are really weird so this is the one where buffy's um mom's boyfriend is a robot and this is a very triggering episode for me so this is an episode i have decided that i get to put three episodes from the entire series into a vault after watching them for this project and i never again have to watch them <laughs> which i mean such a chore watching buffy episodes right but um so this is the second episode I've put into the vault. The other one is the pack, the, the hyena one from season one. Hopefully there's not one episode per season that I wish to put in the vault since I've decided that the vault can only hold three. But Ted's in there. So, and you know, overall this episode is not a bad episode. It's well structured. It's well acted. Um, you know, there are probably good moments in the episode, but um, I just, the whole Ted thing, I can't, I can't do it. I can't, I can't do bad mom boyfriend storylines, okay? It's too triggering. All right. What music is in this episode? Uh, none, just score and shit. Episode 12, Bad Eggs. When Buffy and the gang are given eggs as part of a typical high school parenting project, their eggs become more of a burden than they could have imagined. So this one's kind of, you know, just a cheesy filler B-movie type episode where the, um, the eggs start hatching with like little parasites that hook onto people and control them. And um, 
you know, it's, it's kind of bad, but it's bad in a good way. It's bad in a campy good way. Okay, now we're getting into the heavy episodes of the season. Surprise is episode 13. Drusilla and Spike reassemble the judge, which will bring about Armageddon. And Angel and Buffy try to stop them. Meanwhile, we discover that Jenny has been harboring a dark secret. So this is when we find out that Jenny is actually Yana of the Calderash clan. And she was sent, which is the, the clan of, um, you're not supposed to say gypsy. What do you say? What is the word? Romani. She's the part, she's the Romani, um, part of the Romani clan that Angel was first cursed by. And this is where we start finding out more about his curse. Um, so he has a soul, but we don't find out until the next episode what makes him, what the conditions of this particular um, curse are. So this is the episode that at the end, Buffy has sex for the first time. It's her birthday. And she has sex with Angel for the first time. Oh, um, a song featured in this episode is Transylvanian Concubine by Rasputina. So this is an episode where when I first talked about it, I talked about a lot of parallels between Drusilla and Buffy because they were making those parallels in this episode. And um, at this point, Drusilla is at full power. She's wearing red almost constantly. Whereas when we first met her, she always just wore like white. Like she was just wilting, weak, white. Now she wears red and black and you know, she's powerful and ugh, just get goosebumps thinking about Drusilla. I love her so much. Um, and then the next episode is Innocence. Buffy must deal with the fact that Angel has become the evil Angelus, and she must stop the judge. So she defeats the judge in this episode, and this is the first episode in which we see Angel just really be in pure evil. He um, kind of like infiltrates Spike and Drusilla's love. Spike is now weak. He was hurt in the restoration spell, um, Buffy almost killed him. And, um, so he's like in a wheelchair now and he's weak. Um, which is very interesting that they chose to do that. Like the first half of the season, Drusilla was weak and Spike had to take care of her. And then the second half, Spike is weak and Drusilla has to take care of him. But she doesn't, she's not really ever shown taking care of him because, you know, immediately Angel is evil and he reunites with them and they're just sort of, I don't know, she's just sort of there. She's not very nurturing towards him, whereas he was very nurturing towards her. So, I don't know, it's just, I didn't even know I was going to talk about that. Anyway, episode 15, Phases. When a werewolf begins attacking people out on Lover's Lane... Oz thinks he might be the creature. So this is where Oz finds out that he is a werewolf. So, and you find out like the, the rules of werewolves in this um, universe are that when you're a werewolf, you're a werewolf during the full moon, but the rest of the time you're a regular human and you don't remember what you do when you're a werewolf. So, you know, you don't blame the human that is normal 28 days out of the month. 
very interesting like parallels between menstruation and being a werewolf obviously um so yeah i don't really know what else to say about that episode so let's move on bewitched bothered and bewildered episode 16 a love spell that xander intends for cordelia backfires with disastrous results so this is where um we start to see some real character development with cordelia so her and Xander had started, like, secretly making out several episodes ago, and then they were found out, and everybody, like, knew about them, and as soon as everybody found out about them, you know, she started getting consequences from her popular friends. Like, she wasn't popular anymore because she was involved with Xander, because she's been hanging out gradually more and more with Xander and Buffy and Giles and Willow, and she is scared I guess of she's just scared of changing you know the world of being popular is something that she understands something that she has mastered and it's a comfortable place for her she's drawn to this other world of helping Buffy and you know actually having a purpose to her life she's drawn to it but she still hasn't completely admitted that to herself yet so in this episode she breaks up with Xander even though she's still like she wants to be with him but she just thinks you know, I'm losing my popularity that I've worked so hard for my whole life. I need, I have to leave him. And then by the, and this whole stupid love spell with Xander, stupid, stupid, anyway, whatever. It was obviously like a big stupid mistake, but Cordelia and Xander get back together by the end of the episode. And she just basically stands up to her friends. Like, look, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to date a loser if I want to, you know, like the language is not so great, but it does indicate that Cordelia is evolving. So this is a fun episode for Cordelia, um, even though it's supposed to be all about Xander. But um, yeah, anyway. Um, episode 17, Passion. Okay, here's another punishing episode. This is the one where Jenny dies. Jenny tries to decipher the restoration spell to bring back Angel's soul, but Angel gets to her before she can induce it. Yep. And there's um, a lot of really emotional sadness in this episode, obviously. Killed by Death, episode 18. Buffy discovers at the hospital that Death is materializing into a monster and killing the children. So... That was the one where she's in the hospital with a fever and there's that super gruesome Freddy Krueger type character. So that's just kind of a one-off, like Monster of the Week kind of episode. I Only Have Eyes for You, episode 19. A poltergeist is haunting Sunnydale High, forcing people to repeatedly reenact a murder that happened over 40 years earlier. Such a good episode. Oh my God. Such a good episode. Let's see. The, there's some good songs in this episode too. Charge by the band Splendid, which is headed by Angie Hart, who um, is was also the lead singer of Frente back in the 90s. And of course, I Only Have Eyes For You, performed by the Flamingos. So two great songs in that episode. Go Fish, episode 20 of the season. Buffy and the gang must figure out what's going on when members of Sunnydale's champion swim team begin turning into sea creatures. So this is one where we see Xander in a Speedo. 
So that's also just kind of a one-off sea creature monster of the week episode, which was a nice little breath of air in between super dramatic episodes. Um, So that was a fun one. Let's see. Episode 21, Becoming, part one, as Angel and Drusilla try to open the Hellmouth to engulf the Earth, the paths of the show's key players flash before our eyes. So this is where we see, like, there's a lot of flashbacks where we see, like, the origin of Angel, the origin of Drusilla. Um, There's a lot of setting up in this episode in order to knock everything down in the one that we just saw that we just talked about two weeks ago, Becoming Part 2. As Angel tortures Giles and Willow reattempts the restoration spell, Buffy prepares to kill Angel. So, obviously, you know, especially with the Becoming storyline of the last two episodes of the season, we're talking about big moments for all of our characters, things that change them forever. So one of the biggest ones is willow deciding to do this restoration spell she's not quite ready for something this big so when she does it she is irrevocably irrevocably whatever changed forever forever and giles warns her he's like i don't know you're about to open a door that you might not be able to close i don't i don't know if you want to do this and she you know Anytime somebody tells her she's not ready for something, she's going to fucking throw herself into it and do it anyway. That's Willow. Um, Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about that a lot as we go through the series. Okay, let's, I'm going to sort of talk this out with you guys. Let's decide what is my favorite episode of the entire season. Just by going through and looking at the ratings... I should have mentioned this as we were going through the episodes, but whatever. I'm just going to rapid fire list my, um, my ratings for each episode of the season. So let me find it. Where is the first one? When she was bad, got a 20. Some assembly required, got a 3.5. 3.5. School hard, got a 13.5. Inca mummy girl got an 8. Reptile boy got a 15. Halloween got a 15.75. Lie to Me got a 20. That's surprising. Like, I wouldn't think that Lie to Me would get such a higher... Okay, whatever. The Dark Age got a 12. What's My Line Part 1 and 2 I rated together as a 13.5. Ted got a 5. Bad Eggs got a 3. <laughs> but I consider Bad Eggs to be watchable, but Ted isn't. Okay. My rating system is flawed. Surprise and Innocence, I rated together as a 20.25. Phases got a 16. Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered got a 20. And so did Passion. Killed by Death got a 9. I Only Have Eyes for You got a 20. Go Fish got a 9. Becoming Part 1 got a 12. Becoming Part 2 got 20. So... Nothing got rated higher than Surprise and Innocence together. I rated them as 20.25. So if we're going just by that, then I guess that was my favorite. But 
just looking at the episodes. Hmm. I only have eyes for you is pretty big for me. It really is. So, okay, here's an interesting thing. Like, if you are a person that is listening to this, which probably isn't very likely that you're listening to this and you don't already love Buffy, but if you are listening to this and you want to see, like, an overview of this season, where you want to not watch the entire season but watch enough of it to know what the fuck's going on, I would suggest that you watch... I mean... I'm probably a bad person to ask. I was going to try to pick just five from the season that you could watch, but it's there's way more than that that you need to watch. So I'd say you have to watch the first episode, When She Was Bad. I'd say you have to watch School Hard, the third episode, because it introduces Spike and Drusilla. I would say you have to watch Halloween, because it's a fucking good episode. <laughs> um, I would say you have to watch any two-parter. So you'd have to watch What's My Line Part 1 and 2. You'd have to watch Surprise slash Innocence. You'd have to watch Becoming Part 1 and 2, the last two episodes of the season. And in between Surprise and Innocence and the last two episodes, the last two-parter, I'd say you probably need to watch Passion. Definitely. And I Only Have Eyes for You. So... My favorite episode is probably I Only Have Eyes for You, but this season is really up there for me. Like, it's just a very solid season. Of course, there are a few episodes that are like, okay, that one was kind of bad, but I'm okay with that. You know, I'm okay with the kind of bad episodes for the most part, as long as they're not triggering. Um, so overall, I'd say very good season. If I were ranking all of the seasons of Buffy, which of course I do, I do that. Um, season two would be pretty up there. Season three, which we're, you know, we have to wait till September 29th, but it is my favorite season. We'll see. Although I've never done this in depth of an analysis on Buffy before. Um, I did like a blog where I blogged about every episode, but that wasn't, it just didn't quite have the gravity of the way that I'm doing this podcast because, um, because I have to wait, you know, I have to really simmer in an episode and watch it several times and maybe not get to watch another one for months. So, um, just the way that I am approaching this project has really been, it's really been different. <laughs> it's really been a lot this is very educational. I'm so happy I'm doing this and I'm so happy that you're listening right now. Seriously, I love you guys. So let's see. We went over, of course, my favorite character is Drew and I've talked about her so, so much. Um, this is really the only season we get to see her. I'm, I mean, we'll get little plot points here and there where we get a flashback of her or we actually see her in person, I think in season five. Um, but... Yeah, this is pretty much it for Drusilla. So she's definitely my favorite of the season. And I'd love to... I, I don't really consider myself a writer, but I have so many, like, headcanon things about the character of Drusilla that I could really see myself... Like, maybe I'll take the opportunity to use um, 
this November. Maybe I'll do NaNoWriMo again and I'll write some of some of the backstory about Drusilla that is in my head that I would like to have. She's another character that I really think was underserved. Her and Giles both. I would love to hear more about and maybe I just need to make it up myself and do my own fan fiction. Like it doesn't really matter if I'm the only person that enjoys it. Um, so yeah. So my favorite episode of season, I only have eyes for you. Probably. I mean, there are others that are really up there too, but, um, music from season two, let's just look at it all together. Let me pick my favorite song from season two. Let's do that. That'll be fun. I've got my Spotify up right here. So let's get into it. Where is it? Where is it? I've got so many folders, so many playlists. It's under soundtracks. There it is. There it is. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so there we go. It doesn't matter. Up through full of grace. Okay. So as far as like my favorite, so uh, let me list the songs that are in my Radio Sunnydale playlist, which is my best of which is listed in the show notes if you want the, the link for it. So it's not everything, but it's just my favorite. It Doesn't Matter by Alison Krauss, Spoon and Sugar Water from Chibo Mato, Shy by Eberly, Neverland from Sisters of Mercy, Anything by Carrie Howe, Transylvania Concubine by Rasputina, Never an Easy Way by Morchiba, Charge by Splendid, um, La Boheme, Act One, which is the soundtrack to Giles going up the stairs and finding Jenny dead in his bed. If you need a reference point for that dramatic moment, I only have eyes for you, full of grace by Sarah McLaughlin. So that's the the super. If I want to go by like impact of the song within the context of the episode of the moment. I have to pick Sarah McLaughlin's Full of Grace as my favorite from the season. I have to. But if I'm going to pick of these little collection of songs, just my favorite song from all of these songs, it would probably be... Let's talk about favorite moments of the show. Let's just take a little, little side tour about that. <laughs> um, Spoon by Chibomato is from that first episode of the season. This is, um, it was just so great to see Cheap Motto. Like one of my favorite albums, like literally one of my top five favorite albums of all time is Viva La Woman from Cheap Motto. And that, having them at the bronze and just, it was just all my worlds combining. Such a good moment. And this, that's one of the reasons why that, that uh, particular episode rated so high with me. Not because I love the episode itself that much, but just Chibomato at the bronze and like, oh, so good. So such a good moment. Sugar Water was what was playing when Buffy did that like weird, vengeful, bitchy, sexy dance with Xander. Um, Anything by Carrie Howe. That one is one that I had to download from YouTube. That was just like a score kind of thing but that was that really cool dreamy song that was playing 
during the dream sequences in Surprise. Transylvanian Concubine by Rasputina. That's the song that was playing um, at Drusilla's party in Surprise when she was like, more music. And she's, it's just the perfect song for Drusilla. Transylvanian Concubine. Drusilla is the Transylvanian Concubine. I literally cannot listen to that song without thinking of Drusilla. It's just so perfect. Okay. Um, so yeah, I gotta say, as far as my literal favorite song out of these songs, it would probably be Spoon from Chivo Motto. But Full of Grace, Sarah McLaughlin, bringing it home at the end of the last episode of the season. I mean, you don't come back from that. You don't. <laughs> it's better this way. Okay, sorry, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so let's take a moment thinking about the hero's journey. Um, let's just end with that um, reviewing season. This is a very weird, all over the place review of season two, so I'm sorry. Um, but it's hard for me to look at the whole season together, like as a whole. That's, it's difficult for me to do. It's easier for me to talk about each episode and just like live in the moment of whichever episode we're talking about. So, um, these are probably, even though I would like to do this every season, talk about, you know, my favorite music and, you know, just like pick a favorite of all these things of the season. Um, Yeah. I guess we could talk about like the character journey of the core four each time. So let's do that. What transformations? Let's go from my least favorite character all the way up to Buffy. So Xander, what transformations did he go through in this season? Um, He basically, his transition is solely on love. So basically the only progress he's made in his character development is that he attempted to love several times at this point with, um, the Inca mummy girl with, uh, Buffy. Like he's finally starting to like you know he always loves Buffy. He will always love Buffy. Buffy will always be the girl that got away in his mind, and that's just how it is. Most guys have that one person. Um, So he's starting to realize that he really doesn't have a chance with her, and he's beginning to let that go, which is actually kind of big for dudes in the late 90s, like being able to accept that someone's no is no and you still can be friends with them like he is evolving in that sense of being a big enough human to be friends and really love someone while also knowing that they're never going to return romantic feelings for you so he has at least done that and um he's got his first serious girlfriend he and Cordelia are actually like becoming close and she is I mean we almost need to talk about Cordelia she has really made huge progress throughout this season like she just gradually hangs out with them more and more she gradually makes decisions that are more selfless um 
and you can tell that she cares. I mean, why else would she be coming around? It's not just because she has some kind of feelings for Xander. Like, it's really not Xander motivated. She is just drawn to them, and she's drawn to this world of um, being a hero. She's drawn to it. Um, so it's really cool to see that. Like, I really like the character development of Cordelia in this season. All the way up until the last episode of the season, she had, um, when she came back and saw everybody in the hospital, she, you know, felt guilt by saying, you know, I ran, I just ran. I ran through three counties before I realized no one was chasing me. Not too brave. And she feels bad about it. She feels bad about not being brave. And Buffy, like, tells her, hey, look, you do what you got to do, man. You did the right thing. You got away alive. So, you know, that's a big transition for Cordelia to feel bad about not. She still has the tendency to, to think of herself first and to be pretty self-centered, but she feels bad about it. She wants to evolve. So um, just in that one little moment, you get that from Cordelia. So that's pretty great. So yeah, okay, so whatever. Xander has sort of found love in this season, and he's sort of learning to move on from Buffy. So that's his development. Let's move on to... Ooh, it's hard to like... Overall, I like Giles more than Willow. Yeah, even in this season, probably. Yeah, uh, I don't know. So let's talk about Willow next. So Willow has... In a way, she had a similar journey to Xander because she's finally letting go of Xander. Um, finally realizing that through watching Xander get involved with Cordelia, um, she had to really have an awakening moment and realize, and the fact that she is attracted to Oz and, you know, she really had to decide like, okay, I'm moving on from Xander. Um, he's never going to love me back the way that I love him, but he's also my best friend. And, you know, that's a lot to deal with when you're in high school, when you really care about someone that doesn't care about you back. Um, so she emotionally, that's relationship wise, she deals with that. And she's beginning a serious relationship with Oz. Um, she's also kind of coming into her own and getting some like, cool cred based on her relationship with Buffy and her new role as, you know, a fighter of evil alongside Buffy. She's dressing cooler and quirkier. And, um, of course she kind of did that from the beginning of the series. Um, really just the first episode is the only time you see her in that super nerdy outfit. Like she's really had some pretty cool, um, style mostly throughout, but she's coming into peak Willow style at this point. Lots of fuzzy sweaters and overalls. And she's got that, like, she wears a lot of like a cute fuzzy sweater paired with a short skirt and some tights and sneakers situation, like peak Willow style. She's really coming into her own and like owning some of her individuality. And she's starting to become interested in witchcraft, which is which is going to be like the biggest part of her character, I think, um, throughout the series. So 
she's making good strides, but also strides that will bring some evil into her world, you know, like becoming a witch. There's a lot to talk about there. A lot to talk about there. We'll save it since she hasn't really gone off the deep end yet. So um, then we get to Giles. I mean, in this season, as far as his actual developments, like at this point, he's probably 45-ish. He knows who he is. He's a librarian. He's a watcher. Really the big developments we get to see in him is we get to see a glimpse into his past, number one, with the introduction of the Ethan character, which is so fun when he comes around. Another character underutilized. We only get like three or four episodes with Ethan throughout the entire series, and two of them happen in this season. Um, so we get to see a glimpse into Giles's past, but we also get to see like a lot of development in the relationship between Buffy and Giles. You know, there's that great moment where um, after Buffy had had sex with Angel and he turned evil and he has found out about it. They're alone together. He's taken her home. They're in his car. And she's like, you must be so disappointed in me. And he gives her that great speech that makes me cry every time about, you know, no, I'm not going to be disappointed. All you'll get from me is love and respect. Like, there are several great moments between the two of them and so I think his main development in this season is just realizing his role as a watcher was way more than he ever bargained for you know I don't think he probably ever thought that he would have an intimate love for his slayer and that is something that we will explore more in season three as well um, especially in the episode called Helpless. Oh, I can't wait to get there. I just got goosebumps thinking about that. Um, so yeah, um, so that leads me to, I think I want to have this. So every season I want to say, I want to talk about my favorite character, my favorite episode, my favorite songs, and the best relationship in the series, you know, because this show is a lot about emotions and relationships. So like, obviously there's Oz and Willow have such a cute thing going. Spike and Drusilla are awesome together. I love their dynamic. It's too bad we didn't get to see more of it. Um, in their own way, even Buffy and Angel have an interesting relationship. There's Xander and Cordelia, although I wouldn't call it that interesting. <laughs> you know, they just like, like each other, whatever. Um, but I really think the best relationship in season two is Giles and Buffy. You know, I don't think either of them, as I said before, neither of them realized how close they could become. You know, they're in their roles of Watcher and Slayer. You know, it's, you know, kind of a preset relationship you know it's supposed to just be like mentor slash apprentice type situation you know it's a very patriarchal bullshit thing on the surface it's a dude telling this chick with superpowers what to do but they have already subverted that relationship so much like she defies him but she defies him when 
to to better fight evil she defies him because she's questioning him and he respects her for that and he is okay with thinking outside the box because that's the kind of person he is too and like she's very frustrating but she also has you know her own personality and just watching them reluctantly trust and respect each other not reluctantly necessarily but just watch that happen gradually is it's just such a great relationship I mean yeah for sure and that's great so let's talk about the hero's journey I mean I really could spend an entire episode of this podcast talking about everything that Buffy went through in this season but I'll try to not talk for another hour just about that so obviously Buffy being the main character of the show she's she's always the I mean like the real favorite character because she has to be like it's about her <laughs> like um it's called Buffy the Vampire Slayer so I need to do more research on like the you know the actual hero's journey <laughs> you know that whole thing the whole like myth concept of the hero's journey so what I'm talking about here is more just like what Buffy herself went through this season um, later I'll, I'll look more into that whole situation and see how Buffy fits into the like established myth of the hero's journey you know what I'm saying hopefully maybe I don't know anyway <laughs> so as I said before as the season starts Buffy is working through some shit you know she died she's working through some shit um, and a lot of the season had to do with she's still a, a new slayer you know at this point at the end of season two she had only she's only been a slayer for two and a half years or so so she is still in the process of accepting that she is a slayer and what you have to go through like being a teenage girl and like realizing that it's up to you alone to save the universe I mean that's a fucking lot to deal with so she is a lot of the season is about accepting that I think and she still hasn't as we'll see at the beginning of season three she has essentially ran away and tried to start over somewhere else and pretend not to be a slayer which is what she was in the middle of doing at the beginning of the series when we first meet her and welcome to the hellmouth the first episode she is in denial about being a slayer she's like no I, I moved here it's gonna be a fresh start I'm not doing this anymore no I do not accept having a new watcher I don't accept the fact that my mom somehow moved me to a hell mouth like she's not into it anymore um, and she does this again at the beginning of season three but that's the last time we see her do that so she's at the crux the apex the end of her you know like three-year process of accepting the fact that this is who she is you know so a lot of her conversations with Kendra the other vampire slayer are about you know a lot of Buffy trying to 
you know, she's always like, I just want to be a girl, blah, blah, blah. And Kendra's like, look, this is not like something that was done to you. This is something that you are. And, you know, she learned a lot about herself in that two-parter, What's My Line, part one and two. She learned a lot about, I don't, you know, accepting that she was a slayer because at that point she wanted to quit again, you know, and she finds out that there's another slayer. When she finds out that Kendra exists, she has a brief moment of like, well, maybe Kendra can like be the slayer slayer and I can just, you know, be a normal girl. But, you know, you can't make that choice. And she has to learn that lesson over and over again that you can't make that choice. And I think that's a pretty relatable, not, I mean, not relatable in the fact that we all have to accept that we're fucking heroes, but it's relatable that she's a reluctant hero. Like, I think that is, you know, we wouldn't have so many hero stories if there wasn't that. Like, if it's a calling, if it's something that's not your choice, there's going to be a period of acceptance with that because maybe you don't want all that fucking pressure. I know I wouldn't. Like, as fun as it is to think about being a slayer and having superpowers, like, the burden of, you know, she... Buffy feels genuine guilt and sadness every time someone experiences pain at the hands of a demon or vampire or whatever that she wasn't there to save them. She feels like she should be there to save everybody. And she's taking that upon herself. And we'll see how that manifests in her emotionally throughout the series and how dark it gets. Um, as we've seen at the end of this season, like it got real dark. She had to kill her boyfriend and she got expelled from school and she was just outed to her mother who kicked her out of the house. Like, it's a big thing and it can get real dark. So I, I, that's probably my favorite thing about the series is the fact that they are willing to just, and it's probably 90% attributable to Marty Noxon, who was the showrunner from seasons four on, I think, four, five, four, five, six, seven, maybe five on. I don't know. She's possible. She was the showrunner longer than Joss Whedon was. That's how big a deal she is. And almost every time your heart gets ripped out of your chest and stomped on and then, yeah. And then you just have a gaping hole. <laughs> it's Marty Noxon's fault. <laughs> but I love that about her. I love that the show is constantly like, exploring the way that identity changes. It's a lot, the big themes of Buffy are identity instability and emotional transformation. Like you'll see Buffy really change her mind about things. Like her willingness to sacrifice Angel to save the world. At the end of season five, we see her directly make a comparison between that sacrifice that she made at the end of this season and the fact that she is not willing to make that type of sacrifice again because it's another situation where her little sister Dawn 
is, you know, possibly, it's the same type of situation, actually. Like, a portal to hell might be opened, and if it is, the only thing that can close it again is the death of the person that opened it. And the key is Dawn in at the end of season five. And she says to everybody straight up, if it starts, do not touch her. I am not willing to sacrifice her. She actually says, I sacrificed Angel to save the world. I'm not going to do that with Dawn. If she dies, we all die. She just lays it out there. She's like, I'm not doing this. My sister is not negotiable. And then you see again later in the series, I didn't even realize I'm going to talk about this. There's another moment where she's like, hey, remember when I sacrificed Angel to save the world and then I wasn't willing to do it with Dawn? She'd come back around again. And like, base, I don't remember what episode it is or even like, I don't remember much about it except that she was, I don't even know who she was fucking talking to when she made this admission, but it's probably in season seven where she just basically says, you know, I wouldn't do that again. You know, no, nobody is worth the world, you know? So it's interesting that you see her, Really in season five, she's grappling with how much the Slayer aspect of her has made her heartless. She feels like she doesn't love properly. She feels like she doesn't have connections with people. Like she doesn't, she really shuts herself down after Angel's death. And she doesn't open herself back up again until Dawn enters her life. And she loves her sister and she loves her sister so much that she just can't even let go of her for the sake of the world. So she makes a totally different type of sacrifice at the end of season five. She sacrifices her own goddamn life to save Dawn. And I, I don't know, I just, I find it very intriguing that the show is able to let not a lot of shows do this with heroes. Not a lot of shows let heroes have so much nuance and so, and let them not only evolve, but sometimes devolve. You know, the fact that Buffy was willing to sacrifice the world to save her sister, which somebody pointed out, I think Giles at some point was like, you do realize that Dawn is a part of the world. Like, and she's like, I don't fucking care. You go, you come close to her and I'll kill you. Like she lays it out for everyone. Look, <laughs> this is not happening. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. <laughs> now I'm talking about the end of season five, getting real ahead of myself. So anyway, thank you for listening. I think overall season two is such a great season of Buffy and I'm glad that I got to go on this journey with you guys. Um, I will be back in two weeks with my mom and we'll be discussing a movie of some kind. <laughs> and um, it's going to be a lot of fun. And the Me and My Mom movie series, um, I hope you will enjoy it as much as I'm sure she and I will. Um, so let me know if 
you have any thoughts, suggestions, I'd love to hear some of your, um, like I said earlier, what was your favorite character of season two? What were your favorite moments? What was your favorite episode? What was your favorite music from season two? Who do you think was the best twosome of season two? You know, the best um, progress in relationship. Um, I confess that part of the reason why I picked Giles and Buffy is because, you know, I've never really had that sort of relationship. I've never really had the, like, benevolent father figure slash daughter relationship that, like, I think... I mean, that is what it is with Buffy. It's it's a father figure situation, and her real father wasn't there for her ever. So Giles fills in for that. You know, it's it's very classic storyline. I never really had that. You know, my grandpa to a certain extent, but he and I are both sort of emotionally closed off to such a degree that like real connection between the two of us has not really happened. Um, so one of the reasons why I pick Giles and Buffy is just because I wish I had a Giles. I would love to have a Giles. Um, that's just one of the big, I mean, one of the unconscious things about loving Buffy the Vampire Slayer for me is that I secretly wish I was important enough to be a slayer and that I had someone that loves and respects me as much as Giles respects Buffy, because that's big. That's really big. Um, of course, I have that in my mom, and it's great. Um, I love my mom so much. I'm excited that you guys will get to get to know her a little bit over the summer. Um, it's going to be awesome. You're going to love her. Everybody does. Probably you'll love her more than you love me, because that's usually what happens. <laughs> but um, I just have never had the father figure type. I mean, I had a dad. But we had a stupid relationship. Anyway, 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 season two of Buffy, it has been a ride for sure. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, email me, MixtressRay at ProtonMail, or send me a message on Mixtress Radio's Instagram page. And I will see you guys in two weeks. Bye!